you're hungry, because you're listening to Everybody Eats. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Everybody Eats podcast. It's your host, Bensky Belazare. We have our co-host, Edom Ekpi, and we have a very, very special guest with us, Mr. David Meltzer. Thank you very much for coming and joining us this episode. Nah, thank you, man. Once I met you, too, there's no way I wasn't coming. What great energy you have. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, uh, before we start into today's episode, all our listeners, make sure you're following us on all platforms. We're on Instagram at everybody underscore eats podcast, Twitter at everybody underscore eats underscore. We're on TikTok. Make sure you follow our YouTube channel, Everybody Eats Podcast on YouTube. Um, and yeah, we're available on all platforms, so make sure that you're tuning in. And another shout out to all our listeners, domestic and abroad, and to our new listeners in Thailand. Can't wait to meet you one day. So make sure, uh, make sure you're telling your friends. So we'll introduce today's guest. So David Meltzer, for those who don't know, he is the co-founder of Sports One Marketing. Um, also author, investor, entrepreneur, public speaker, influencer, all the above. So yeah, man, definitely, definitely. So thank you again for joining us this episode. So before we start, would you mind, um, I guess, introducing also yourself, talk about yourself a little bit, um, where you grew up, how you get into doing what you do and all that jazz. A uh, real brief background, I lived a blessed journey, but I grew up poor. I uh, feel sorry for anyone that didn't grow up for it. <laughs> Single mom, six kids, and I had one goal that was to be rich so I could buy my mom a house and a car. Initially thought I'd be a professional football player, uh, got a scholarship to college. First play in college, got ran over by Christian Nicoye wow. in Nigeria. Nightmare. <laughs> Lying on my back saying, doctor, lawyer, failure. So I went to go be a doctor. When my brother explained to me one of the greatest lessons in life that uh, I had to be more interested than interesting. And the reason he said that to me, why I needed to be more interested, was that I thought at 18 years old, uh, doctors didn't have to be in hospitals. Mm. <laughs> in <Pasadena>. <laughs> um, but the reason I say that is so many kids uh, and adults, they're not interested. And they have like, you know, I'm going to have this business. Or I'm going to do this. And I'm like, do you have a business plan, an executive summary? How are you going to finance it? What? They're just not interested. They literally aren't putting the intention into what they're paying attention to. Mm. And that was at 18, and that valuable lesson carried through my journey. I did end up in law school, reverse engineered, because I wanted to be rich. The most high-paying job in law school, out of law school, was an oil and gas litigator. Mm. Got a job offer to be an oil and gas litigator from Tulane University. Turned it down to sell on the internet. My mom, her advice to me was not to be a a sales guy on the internet to be a real lawyer. She told me the internet was a fat. <laughs> and then I was going to starve. Lesson number two of my life, very critical lesson is, you got to vote for what you want. You know, just because someone loves you doesn't mean they give you good advice. Doesn't mean you have to resist their advice. You know, understand the advice, thank them for the advice, let it fall through your hands like a handful of sand. Uh, but learn to vote for what you want, what you think, by taking other people's advice, assessing it according to your values, and going to the people that have situated. Don't go to a second grade teacher and ask them about the internet. Right? <laughs> no. Go to business people about business. Yeah. Anyway, uh, ended up 
working smart, hard, and long, long meaning that I uh, you know, really understood uh, with patience uh, the fact of efficiency and statistical success. Was a millionaire nine months out of law school selling legal research online. Sold that company uh, that I worked with for $3.4 billion. Wow. 1995. Went to the Silicon Valley, and that's when I learned my greatest skill set, my superpower, how to raise money. People ask me all the time if I could have any skill in business, what would it be? How to raise money, man. People that know how to raise money for businesses and charities, they never starve. Mm. So it's a great superpower. That's my superpower. I know how to raise money, even more than making money. It's a great skill set. Then parlayed that into being the CEO of the world's first smartphone. Uh, In 1999, they weren't called the smartphone. They were called a convergence device. But I was CEO of a PCE phone, Samsung manufactured, Windows CE device. So I hung out with Samsung and Microsoft. Multi-millionaire in my 30s. Then got hired by Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment, the most notable sports agency in the world. They made the movie Karen McGuire about our firm. Met Warren Moon 11 years ago. We spun off the most notable sports marketing company where it has evolved from, you know, just working at the biggest events like Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, Masters, Kentucky Derby uh, with hospitality and gifting and sponsorship and advertising. And now more focused on media the last three years, as you were gracious enough to explain, I've built my own brand. I write books. I speak around the world. I'm a top executive business coach. I have a TV show called Elevator Pitch. I have a top uh, podcast, the number one entrepreneur podcast in the world called uh, The Playbook. Um, everything that I do, though, and listed out there is for one purpose or one mission, and that's why I take the time to be on podcasts like yours, and that's to empower others, to empower others to be happy. Uh, you know, we have to all work together, and I think you two are perfect people to help me. I have done the math. I'm trying to empower a billion people to be happy, so I need to thousand people like you, V and E, you two guys help me empower another thousand to empower another thousand, a thousand times a thousand a million, a million times a thousand a billion. You know, it might sound silly, but us three sitting here on a computer can change the world. We create a collective consciousness to make everybody understand not just how to be happy, but to help, to help other people be happy and provide value and service uh, to change this world with that type of collective consciousness. Definitely, definitely. You touched a lot of points there um, and raising up a lot of questions. But one of the things I was going to ask or what I wanted to ask, um, you you touched on it a little bit. Like I said, I was going to say what was throughout your, I guess, your whole life journey so far, right? Going from one company to the next, raising money. Clearly, you're very successful. So what what was your goal throughout that time? Was it while you were going through it, was it more of, um, yeah, I just... Is, were you were you back then looking to help people, or has that I guess your motive or your goals changed? So I, I left out a little bit, so I'll get to that. Right, my 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 big learning curve. So I believe money bought happiness and love, and the reason is I only wanted to be rich by my mom a house and a car. Mm. Right, and my whole life revolved about money buying me happiness because the only time I wasn't happy was when I caught my mom frustrated about we didn't have enough money for food or a car broke down or dishwasher or camp or or college, my mom stressed out and with pride, you know, she worked two jobs and packed our dinner with a paper bag and put us into a station wagon in between being a second grade teacher and filling up Stern styles at the convenience stores and cleaning cars 
But for me, my whole life, not only, you know, to go to the profession that I chose was all about making money. So when I made money and bought my mom a house and a car, it reinforced that money bought happiness. When I went to law school even, I got engaged in law school to a really rich girl, and I got engaged too young and to the wrong person and broke it off. But I only got engaged at that time knowing what money buys happiness. It was a security for me. Then I married my dream girl who hated me in high school, and I thought to myself, she loves me because I have money. Then I made even more money, and I continued to think money buys happiness. In the end, what I learned, and I lost over $100 million dollars. Uh, when I worked with Lee Steinberg, uh, I, and that's because I surrounded myself with the wrong people, the wrong ideas. I invested everything into money. Money doesn't buy happiness. No. doesn't buy love. But what I learned about money through that process was money is so important because it is the currency of this vibration. It's an object of energy that we put into the flow that allows us to shop. And the power of that shopping, a green card buys so much, a gold card buys you more, a platinum card buys you more. But if you can have a black card and you shop for the right things, then you can be happy. So I started building community centers in Africa, raising money for junior achievement to empower 15 to 25-year-old entrepreneurs. I started making room and allowing things to come through me, not for me or to me like a victim, but through me with appreciation for others. And money is still the priority of my life. Because money is the currency of this vibration. It just, I know it doesn't buy happiness or love. It just allows me to shop. And I use my personal experiential giving and receiving values every day to decide what the best things to shop for so that I don't have to think that I got to buy more things or different things to be happy. Because I've been down that road with Ferrari, Porsches, golf courses, ski mountains, motorhomes, and boats. What I know about that is you just end up buying stuff to feel empty, alone. Instead, that I have a consistent, everyday enjoyment of the persistent, without quit, pursuit of my potential, so I can help elevate others and elevate others to their potential. And that's what I know you two guys are trying to do as well. Definitely, definitely. I love that response. I know, Edom, uh, you had a question from... Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, I just want to thank you for actually everything you just said. Um, and it's really dope to see how uh, money at first was your your ends per se and it became you know now it's a means to your new end which is you know the whole uh, empowering minds and your whole visions of yeah. collective consciousness but uh, my question for you is um i you know i did my research on you and you have a quote that says uh professionals stick to their routines and amateurs find excuses so can you elaborate on that um you know how does yeah, because you hear the phrase, you know, you do the same thing over and over again. As you experience failure, you know, it's you're you're insane, kind of. So how do you how do you live out that quote, and how would you uh, give advice to someone who's experiencing failure with their everyday routine, and how would they change it up without necessarily finding excuses or quitting? Yeah, so you need two routines. Number one, right? So remember, my journey is an enjoyment of the consistent every day persistent without quit pursuit of your potential. So your first routine is dictated by five things. One, your values, the daily inventory of your personal experiential giving and receiving values. Two, your ability to ask of how you can provide value of service through a lens of productivity, but also asking a series of questions of who and how someone else can help you. Do you know anyone that can help me? Three, being a student of your calendar. 
Mm. Uh, studying not only what you have planned during the day, but studying what you don't have planned, the white space, the blank space in your calendar, and also studying sleep, the number one habit that we share. Over eight hours a day, most people, we need to study sleep to maximize the productivity, accessibility, and gratitude in our lives. Four, being and doing things now. 100% of all things you do now get done. Most people don't get anything done. That's their biggest problem. So, uh, you know, just like 100% of all short putts don't go in, 100% of things you do get done. So I have a do it now rule. I ask myself, can I do it now? If I can't, I do it now. If I can't, it goes into a repository, prioritized by what's most important first, and I do those things that are scheduled as a student in my calendar. And then finally, I practice ending fear. You know, one of the majority of my focus, attention, and intention for the coincidences I want is to identify, number one, the ego-based consciousness of the need to be right, and then separate inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry, resentful. And when I identify those, I practice ending it. I try to get back to center, find a higher frequency, and live in the truth-based consciousness of the trajectory towards my objective. Uh, so that's the normal routine that's based off of all those things. Now... The biggest mistake in that quote is that most people don't know that I'm talking about also having an adaptable routine, mm. right? Because the definition of insanity is doing the exact same thing again and again and again and expecting a different result. Well, things change in the world. As we see here in America right now, there's dramatic changes just because we have a flu that can't stop, right? It caused all these extraordinary changes for all professions. Yeah. All professions have changed today, but we haven't even seen the best of it. So. Uh, what we're going to see now is people that have adaptable routines, people that understand their values. And my adaptable routine is based off of what my prioritized values are. So I'll give you an example. I have my normal routine is very scheduled. 4 a.m. I wake up, or I, I, I meditate for 20 minutes, I get 10 minutes to go to the gym, and then work out for a minimum of an hour, get home, I research for another hour, and then take care of my family for the next hour. Then I do coaching calls and drive to work on the next hour. Then I execute on the studio my calendar until 4.45 when I take 30 minutes more of coaching calls. Then I have dead time with only my family, no email, no phones, nothing from 5.30 to 7.30. Then I do research again or optional family time from 7 o'clock until 9 o'clock or 7.30 to 9. 9 o'clock I put my 9-year-old to bed. And then I have one-on-one -on -one time with my wife until I pass out so I can wake up at 4 a.m. the next day. My adaptable routine is based on first scheduling. And the adaptable means I may be traveling to New York. I may be taking the red eye. Uh, I may have a bachelor party. I may have my family in town, a wedding. There's all kinds of things. And this is where that, you know, you're never stuck and you're never doing the same shit. Number one, minimum one hour a day on my health. But I'm going to give you the best piece of advice in this podcast is find something you love to do for your health. Minimum one hour a day, do it for the rest of your life. I don't care how old you are. If you're not giving an hour to your health, you're a fool. My wife told me years ago when I asked, what can I do for you? She said, take care of yourself, because I know if you take care of yourself, you'll take care of others. So I spend a minimum of one hour a day on my health. Then I spend a minimum of 30 minutes a day with my wife, 30 minutes a day with my nine-year-old, minimum of two minutes a day with my three teenage daughters. I asked for five minutes, they gave me two. <laughs> Another great lesson, I spent a minimum of one minute a day with my mom. Uh, and there's four things that I tell my mom. And if anybody out there and your mom's still alive and if she's not, then you pray these things to her. But this is what you know. My, my, I believe a parent needs to know every day. One, 
I tell my mom I'm healthy. Two, I tell her I'm happy. Three, I tell her I love her. Four, I tell her I appreciate her. If you want to give a gift to your parents or anyone, your grandparents or aunts and uncles who ever raised you, if you let them know every day that you are healthy, happy, loving, and appreciative towards them, you have made their day, you have made them more money, more value, more passion, purpose, and profitability than they ever could imagine. And I know that not being a son, but being a father myself. So I give that to the most valuable minute of my entire day, and I hope everyone else gives that minute to the people that are most important to them as well. Then I execute next a minimum of 10 minutes a day as a student on my calendar. That allows me to execute on the ability to have productivity, accessibility, and gratitude in my life. Uh, and so that is the context of an adaptable schedule or routine. And like I say, man, professionals have routines and they expand and accelerate to the success of their potential. Everybody else lives in blame, shame, and justification, meaning all they got is excuses. And that's, I love that. I love that. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, I wish we had more time, but um, I know that's coming towards the end. So, um, Ian, do you have any, any final words? No, I mean, he really answered everything, went straight through it, even questions that would have followed up by other questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely, because I had about two more questions I want to ask, but they eventually got uh, answered in the conversation. So I want to thank you very much for taking your time out and coming on today's episode and coming on to the podcast. It really means a lot. Um, And for the people listening, hey, a DM goes a long way. A DM goes a long way. So I've been uh, watching your content for about a year now, probably plus. And, um, you know, thank you for being, you know, active and supportive on Instagram and with your followers, because that's literally, uh, I think you, I, I mentioned you, you like to comment and then, you know, uh, you asked how you could be of service and then that's, that's how we got this going. So um, that's definitely an example I'm taking, making sure that, um, you know, supporting even no matter how many followers you have, whether you have two, if you have 200, you gotta be making sure that you're supporting them and that you're looking out for them. So, look, man, I, I started this three years ago. Two followers, I say ambassadors, right? When you got the right strength and signal, respecting the clarity of message, two turns into 64, 64 turns into 2,000, 2,000 into 64,000, 64,000 into 2 million over 20 years, two at a time. That's two people at a time getting you two people at a time. In 20 years, and you guys are babies, you could have 2 million ambassadors. We could change the world with 2 million ambassadors, fellas. So please don't look at the numbers of followers. Focus in the quality of your content, right? The quality of your content and the consistency that you're helping others. And I promise you that outcome that you dream of has already happened. So I appreciate it. If you want to follow me, I'm at David Meltzer. You can text me at 949-298-2905. Please put it up in the notes. Come visit me. As you guys know, I am of service. I will get back to you. I appreciate both of you for what you're doing. And please let me know still how I can be of service. Thank you both. Thank you very much. Great episode. See you guys. (laughs) Have fun, guys. Thank you.